thank you so much for joining us today. Um, recall a time when somebody promised something to you, something that you wanted for a long time, and all of a sudden uh, that created a great joy and eagerness and expectation in your life. Maybe your parents talked about a time when uh, you, they were going to buy you something and it, it just made you so excited. Or maybe it was a coach or a teacher who at the beginning of the school year or beginning of the season said, hey, we're going to go on this trip and we can't wait. We need to raise some money, but it's going to be an amazing time. Maybe it was a, a spouse or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a partner who promised you that they will make their dream, your dreams come true. Or maybe it was a doctor who said, I think we can fix this. And uh, they booked you for surgery or for treatment. Well, I can recall a time in my life when I had wanted something for so long. And, and it came to my 14th birthday. And my dad said, John, I know that you have been waiting to see Wayne Gretzky play live. And so what he did was he said, a month from now, March 22nd, uh, I have tickets to go see the Edmonton Oilers play the Detroit Red Wings at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. And so we went to the game, and the Edmonton Oilers won 6-4, to four, and Gretzky scored three assists. I even have a picture of his autograph that he gave me that night. I tell that story because my dad was one of the, the rare men in life who always kept his promises. If my dad said it was going to happen, it was going to happen unless there was some totally unforeseen circumstances. I realize that most of you have lived a life uh, where you've experienced broken promise after broken promise. I've experienced some broken promises as well. Many who have overpromised and underdelivered. But today, I want to tell you about good news. I want to tell you about God, our Heavenly Father, who always keeps his promises. He always keeps his commitments. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Zechariah chapter 10, verses 6 through 12. And we're going to find in this passage that God has some commitments for us. God has some commitments for his people. And I think you'll find great encouragement from this. Because when God says something that he wants done, it's going to happen. Think about, though, the time period that this was written in. The prophet Zechariah was, was speaking to a people who had it much worse than we did. I know we're suffering in lockdown, but let's be reminded that the people in Zechariah's day really struggled. They were living under the oppressive rule of the Persians. They were trying to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and, and yet halfway through their construction project, it was, it was stopped. They were discouraged and separated from their families, still way back in Babylon, those who had been exiled for 70 plus years. And it was also a very economic trying time. This, is, this passage is relevant for our lives. As the Australian Bible scholar John Mackay says, once more the future has been revealed in Zechariah to encourage steadfastness in the present. Well, today I want to remind you that God's promises will create steadfastness in the present if we believe them and we follow them. So let's turn in our Bibles. If you haven't found it yet, you, it will be up on the screen or you can Google this. 
and to look at Zechariah chapter 10, verses 6 through 12. The prophet Zechariah writes about the Lord, I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them. And they shall be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall be glad as with wine. Their children shall, be, shall see it and be glad, and their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them in, for I have redeemed them, and they shall be as many as they were before. Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me, and with their children they shall live and return. And I will bring them home from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. And I will bring them to the land of Gilead and to Lebanon till there's no room for them. He shall pass through the sea of troubles and strike down the waves of the sea. And all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. I will make them strong in the Lord and they shall walk in his name declares the Lord. You'll notice in this passage that there are no imperatives, there are no commands, there's no rules to follow, there's just promises. And I think at a time like this when we, we're trying so hard to uh, see advancement and yet we're, we're struggling and we don't feel like we're making much headway against disease and violence and, and racism, that we need to cling fast to the promises of God, to his commitments, to his will be done. Seven times in this passage, the Lord says he will do something. Did you catch that? It would be great just to circle in your Bible the times that the Lord says, I will. I think we can reduce those, those seven commitments to five. And if you can't remember all five today, that's okay. Maybe this one you'll cling to, and later on you can go back. You might want to write down these, these promises, these commitments. But today, maybe just one in your life, will be God will be specifically speaking to you. So here are the five commitments by the Lord. God first promises that he will strengthen you. God will strengthen you. Look at verse 6 again. I will strengthen the house of Judah. That's the Lord's declaration. And this promise is echoed. It's picked up. It's bookended again in verse 12. I will make them strong in the Lord. Just in case we don't believe it. Just in case we need to pay greater attention to it. Do you feel weak today? I know that many times throughout the week I've felt weak this, this week. But this is the Lord's promise for us. I will strengthen you. However, to have this commitment realized in your life, you need to acknowledge your own weakness to the Lord. As Paul Tripp has said, it's not your weakness that you should fear, but your delusions of strength. In order to receive God's strength, we must acknowledge our weakness. That's a risk for you to admit that you need help. Let me reassure you that God never uses your weakness to make you look bad. He never uses it for evil, but only for your good. He knows all your weaknesses already. So why not just admit them to him? 
even, even those blind spots that God has maybe just recently brought to your life. See, most of the time we try to avoid, we try to avoid weaknesses or we try to hide those weaknesses. But I want to tell you today that I have good news. The Lord can fill in all those weaknesses in your life with his all-sufficient and perfecting grace. He can fill in the cracks of your character. The Lord will fill in the potholes of your life with his grace. We find this in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, which records God's response to the Apostle Paul when Paul asked God three times to take away his weakness. See, God throughout the whole Bible says, I can be strong for you. I will strengthen you. And this is what God said to the Apostle Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Do you see the irony? We think we can be perfect in our own strength by overcoming our own weakness. But it's when we acknowledge our weaknesses that we receive the perfecting strength of the Lord. This helps to answer a question somebody out in our community asked me this week. They were so discouraged and they said, is there anything good coming from this pandemic? And I got thinking, I was like, well, I think we have a greater hunger and desire for community and fellowship. But as I dug deeper into this passage, I realized that the pandemic was also an opportunity to experience the perfecting power and strength of the Lord for our weaknesses. I found this to be true in my life. Have you found that to be true in your life? I'll give you an example. I struggle for words to come forth from my lips. Words don't naturally come uh, flowing out of my, out of my mouth. Numbers stick with me. Words do not. And yet, here's the big joke that God has on the world. He's made me a preacher, and you're listening to me right now. I think God has a great sense of humor. God has shown me that when I rely on him in my weakness, that his grace and his power will make up all the difference. Only God could do that. For some of you, as we talked as a leadership team and thought about some of the weaknesses you're struggling with, as we've, we've talked to you, some of you are struggling with, with fear and anxiety and depression and, and fatigue and illness and financial solvency. Like you're barely keeping your head above water financially. Some of you may be feeling weak because you don't know your purpose in life and, and who to trust. These are all opportunities to experience God's will. He says again, I will strengthen you. What do you need to say is this, simply this, Lord, I'm weak and just fill in the blank. I'm weak in this area and please give me your power and your strength and your grace. But some of you might be thinking, well, the Lord's commitment in Zechariah 10.6 was to save Judah. That maybe was just for them. It was, or maybe it was something to do with their physical salvation or their physical strength. I want to remind you that if God promised to give strength to Judah, his people, who later rejected their Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lion of Judah, then how much more will he give us strength if we believe in him and remain faithful to him? Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He died for you. 
He died for your sins and he rose again so that you might have new life. This leads me to the second commitment. Not only will God commit to give us strength, but God will save you. God will save you. The second phrase in verse 6 states that God's commitment right here. It says, I will save the house of Joseph. This is an amazing statement because both Ephraim and Manasseh, who were the sons of Joseph, became the half-tribes of Israel. And they were part of what we call the northern tribes. You can see the northern tribes in this map that I have uh, placed up uh, on the screen. And you'll see that they're in the northern section of the country. Scholars believe that Ephraim is one of the most prominent and centrally located tribes. And it stands for the entire northern kingdom. But what is amazing about this promise by God is that the promise is aimed at tribes that seem to be lost. These tribes who started so well with their father Joseph, who showed so much integrity when he was in Egypt, and he showed so much faith in God. Well, his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, they were wayward. They rebelled against God and were taken into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And this was spoken about by the prophet Isaiah during that time in Isaiah 28, 1 through 3. I'll read it to you. Ah, the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He cast down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot. These enemies of God, the Ephraimites, are transformed by somebody who the Lord would send. Well, who is that? None other than the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 200 years after Isaiah's prophecy, lost Ephraim was promised in Zechariah 10 verse 7. And I read it to you. Then Ephraim shall become a mighty warrior and their hearts shall be glad as wine. The prophecy of, of Isaiah has been transformed 200 years later by the time Zechariah is prophesying. And the mighty warrior status of the Ephraimites that they had under King David is instead transformed into the Ephraimites trusting the Lord God alone for their comfort and salvation. That's why it says hearts would be glad as wine. Their children shall see it and be glad and their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. Did you catch that? The Lord would save lost Ephraim, transforming their lives. And this would continue to the next generation with the result of you having been turning from from the struggle of alcohol to the Lord God. I know many in our culture are struggling with that. That's why the, the alcohol stores and alcohol retailers are still open. But can I tell you there's something better? There's the Lord God. And we see this in Ephraim's life. They found that the Lord God alone was better to trust in. And if God can do that with Ephraim, he can do that in your life and in my life. So the Lord God will save you. But let's not forget that Joseph had two sons. Recall that, that this was the house of Joseph. And Manasseh was the other son. And he was also disobedient. We read in Joshua 17, 13 that he refused to clear the land of the wicked Perizzites and Raphaites. And yet, this brings us great hope. Because God showed grace to save the disobedient. And might to save the lost. 
Have you been rebellious? God's grace is greater than your sin. Have you wandered away? God loves you and is mighty in calling you back. How do, you know, how do we know? God sent his son Jesus to come and seek and save the lost. If you feel lost, God is coming after you and will overcome you with his, with his love and his care and his compassion for you. So God will strengthen you and God will save you, but he will do more. He will compassionately bring you back. We appreciate our first responders, but God is more than a first responder and a rescuer. God is hospitable. Not too many police officers, as much as we appreciate them, would bring criminals and captives into their home. But this is exactly what God does for us rebels. He brings us back into his home. And this is so importantly as he repeatedly reminds his people of his commitment to bring them back from near and far. Look at verse 6 again. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them. And they shall be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God. And I will answer them. Wow. This is an amazing statement that we find. This reminds me of the fact that the Lord loves to bring back prodigals. It wasn't just in Luke 15 that God brought back prodigal sons. He was, has been doing this for centuries, for millennia, and he could do it in our lives as well. God has compassion to bring you and I back after a time of discipline. He will even whistle for you. Whistling at somebody can be perceived as treating them as, as an object or just wanting them to, to uh, fulfill some desire you have. I've heard of people in the retail business, so someone will come in and just whistle at them, say, Phew, come, come take care of this for me. But this is not what God is doing. God is whistling like, like a shepherd would to his flock. He's drawing them in. We read about this in verse 8. I will whistle for them and gather them in. For I redeemed them, I bought them back, and they shall be as many as they were before. This reminds me of some friends I had who, before cell phones were really popular, and they didn't have cell phones, when they went into a large department store, they'd all disperse to their favorite department. But one of them would give a little unique whistle, and the whole family would gather and find one another. That's essentially what God is doing. He's calling us to come home. Can you hear God whistling for you? God wants to bring us back and repeats his will to bring us back. And look at verses 9 and 10 again. Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me. And with their children they shall live and return. And I will bring them home from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. And I will bring them to the land of Gilead and to Lebanon till there's no room for them. Wow! I love this. God will bring you home. God will bring you home. Maybe you wandered away from the faith many years ago because you were burned by Christians and churches. And you've just been, well, gliding in life. Could I remind you, do not let somebody else's sin cause you to, have a, uh, cause you to not have a relationship with God. Come home. Some of you maybe didn't wander a long time ago from God, but actually this week you've been wandering from the Lord. Maybe even today 
You made some bad decisions. You've been watching something on a screen that is not honoring to God. You've been sliding. Some of you have been gliding and some of you have been sliding, but I just remind you that we are to abide in Christ. That's what he we're supposed to do. We're supposed to come home. Your heavenly Father is whistling to you and welcoming you home. I heard this past week of some empty nesters who have had all their kids come home during COVID. And maybe you find yourself in a situation that you are not isolated, but you're overcrowded. Well, guess what? God's house never gets overcrowded. There is more room for you. Jesus declared this in John 14, 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what have I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So will you respond to God's commitment to bring you home, to bring you back? You can today. Just mention in the chat room right now if you're on social media and just say, I want to come home to Jesus. See, God will strengthen you. He will save you. He will compassionately bring you back. But fourthly, God will also answer you. God will answer you. He'll answer your prayers. This, the end of verse 6 clearly states, I will answer them. Maybe you've been looking for answers. Well, God will answer you. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 1, we read that the people of God were commanded to ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain. The people had actually been looking to others to find answers, to their household gods, as verse 2 says. Well, maybe you're now stuck at home and you've been turning to some household gods to help us find comfort and satisfaction. The people in Zechariah's day were looking for answers in the wrong places. And maybe you've been Googling or searching YouTube for answers. That may work for renovation projects, but not the larger questions in life. You need to turn to the Lord God and his word. This is where you're going to find answers. God has answers for all the big questions of life, but also has practical and provisional answers for you. What are you asking the Lord right now? He will answer you. In 2020, here are just a few of the prayers that God answered in our church. I think this will bolster you to know that God is alive and he's answering prayer. A young man, Dayton, was baptized on January 26 after we prayed that, that he would come to faith in Christ. Restoration Church, our church plant, is growing during COVID to 75 people. Discipleship resource kits passed out at the last Sunday night before COVID hit, just in time. And I've used those big time. I know a number of you have too. Weddings for Jeff and Presley Hornsby and Zoe and Isaac Watson, despite COVID, it was amazing. Adrian Hoyd and I went to Togo to collaborate and see the unreached people groups of the Bago and Basila and Chamba and Tambera people who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That conference still came together because of your prayers and our great God. We continued scripture-saturated, spirit-led, worship-based prayers at prayer meeting. We didn't stop praying all year long, and we will not stop praying. Ron, Ron Bolander became a new elder, an answer to our prayers. God raised $2 million to finish off the master's plan, 4.0, debt-free, in hard economic times. 
We had an assessment of Temple with Bob Fleming and Feb Central and hired Steve Adams as a coach for strategic planning. We took the staff to Harbor Fellowship in St. Catharines for three circles evangelism training. Our elder chair, David Pinkerton, suffered a horrific bicycle accident in August, but he survived. We held food bank drop-offs in July and October. We held Candy Lane drive-thru outreach on October 31st. We held a Christmas isn't canceled outreach on December 12th through the 13th. We held 30 days of prayer and fasting in November. We restarted Grief Share to help those with suffering from loss and who are mourning. Mark Adams came through surgery, and just this week, he and his wife, Nighty, celebrated 33 years of wedded bliss. Along with others who were celebrating the anniversary, I want to give a shout-out to Graham and Marilyn Jones, who celebrated their 45th anniversary this week. We also considered uh, cutting the missions budget, but once again, God provided. This might seem like a small thing, but the cable to our digital corner sign worked despite the length being too long for the specs. All you tech people would love that. We had more video testimonies this year. We experienced safety on the roads and travels. None of us were killed despite some crazy driving out there. And I know David Pickard would say amen to that. The Turnbulls having baby Kaylee, that's the granddaughter of Anne and Wendy Hodgins after years of infertility. What a miracle. Bill Bruckner getting to watch home church with his grandson after praying many years that that would happen. The Doucettes coming into membership, our first electronic membership vote before Christine went home to be with the Lord. The Feb Central Think Tank providing timely fellowship and shared learning as a group of churches. We've really come together more. We wrestle with the question to shut down construction or not based on complaints by workers at other job sites as we watch them on TV. And we decided to continue construction, putting further safety measures in place. And we're only shut down by the government when all non-essential construction was halted province-wide. Our church was protected from COVID with no one dying from this deadly disease. We experienced much un unity on our build team. And they continue to do an amazing job to advance the project of recreating our property. Our giving and donations were up significantly over 2019. June Hansen was healed from what we spec suspect was COVID in April after being virtually anointed and prayed by our elders' council. Zoom communions became very uh, precious. In August, we resumed in-person gatherings and were able to sing with masks on at church. David Pinkerton survived the accident, and I was actually able to visit him in the hospital there in Hamilton. My son Noah, loving high school, and Brandon Poye, another young man from our church, was in Noah's class. A very good and unified Big Reach family meeting on September 30th. And then here's another one. 151 cars showed up and drove, came through our Candy Lame event on October 31st. And Pat Bruckner shared the gospel with a young man named Jaden. And Jaden, if you're listening, we want to hear from you. We want you to know that God loves you and he wants to help grow you more in your faith. We had a good men's hike on November 17th thanks to the leadership of Albert Tim Bugercade and Pastor Dan. And I got to have good discussion with some of our youth. That was great. Pastor Kyle doing a good job on planning for the kids. In fact, all of our staff have done that. Wisdom to navigate the lockdown. More contact by our elders with our church members. We became more agile as a church. We had more people involved in our worship services from tech to testimonies. We increased our online giving. We increased our small group attendance. We enlarged our online presence and footprint. 
more parents discipled their children. We define the church beyond Sunday morning while understanding more of the importance of in-person gatherings. Our 4.0 construction continued and was actually able to progress without having to navigate around our programming, which was shut down most of the year. Micah Chow came to faith in Christ. We held a beaver's tail truck, hosted a beaver tail truck for our construction workers and the teachers and staff at Jacob Hustler Secondary School. Robin Haken came back onto our elders council after David's accident. And George Kilo came out of retirement as a deacon to care for the families David was caring for. Our missionary to the Czech Republic, uh, Christine Meyer, who went back at the, uh, at the end of 2020. She went back to the Czech after home assignment, fully supported, 100% supported. Eddie Alzinga, he was healed from an aneurysm. And I just learned yesterday with, he has no signs of, of damage or memory loss, and that aneurysm just disappeared, baffling doctors. And we met a year in target of $90,000 and had an extra surplus that we gave away to our local ministry partners and affiliates. These are just a few of God's answers to prayers. Has God not kept his promise and answered us? A big Y-E-S. God answers our prayers. I'm so encouraged. I hope you are too. God will strengthen, save, and compassionately bring you back, and he will answer you. But God's going to do one more thing in this passage we find out. One more promise. God will cause you to walk in his name. The end of verse 12 makes this clear. They shall walk in his name, declares the Lord. What does it mean to walk in his name? Is it like a new bride who has the, the, whose name has the honor of the last name of her husband? Well, part of walking in God's name is found in verse 11. It says, He, the Lord, shall pass through the seas of trouble and strike down the waves of the sea, and all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. Recall how God rescued the Israelites from 400 years of slavery at the hands of the Egyptians. It's recorded in the, the book of Exodus. Or maybe you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. God did that not only to rescue his people, but for them to recognize his name. Remember when God was at the burning bush and, he, and Moses asked God, Who should I tell them is sending me? What is his name? God said to Moses, Tell them, I am who I am has sent you. The rescue was all about the name of the Lord being known to the Israelites as well as being known to the, to the whole rest of the world to this very day. Now in Zechariah 10, 12, it's God, not the Israelites, will pass through the sea of trouble. Now this is the best news yet because this was ultimately fulfilled when God sent his son Jesus to experience the sea of trouble. Jesus literally struck down the waves of the sea when he calmed the sea. Mark 4.39 records, And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus could rebuke the physical waves and have power over the elements as he did in that day. He can, he can speak peace, be still, into the storms in your life. And he will. Don't you need that right now? And because of this great commitment to you, you will walk in his name. 
Are you thankful that God always keeps his commitment? I would encourage you and remind you this day that the ultimate example of God's will being done was through his son Jesus. When in the garden he says, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus fulfilled God's will. And because of him, all the promises of yes are yes in him. Today, will you follow this great God who keeps his promises now and forever? Let's pray. God, I ask that we would believe these promises that you give us to strengthen us, to save us, to bring us home, to answer us, God, and to help us walk worthy of your name here on this earth. Lord, we know that we can't do this in our own strength, but because of the will and the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen and amen and amen.